If you would, go ahead and find your Bible. Um, you're going to need to turn in the book of Philippians this morning while I grab something. Grab my purse. Um, no, it's not my purse. I can't even joke that way. But it is something I need for this morning. This morning, we're going to talk today about uh, an important part of all of our lives. Um, Pastor Brock asked you to think about a time in history that, that you enjoy. I just can't understand why they ask that question if he doesn't even like history. I don't get that, but um, he gets a question sometimes planted for him. So it was my question this morning. I, I do enjoy um, studying history, and, and I'd get into little kicks um, of things that I like to study about, whether it be Civil War, there was a time when I was all you know, fascinated by that, or World War II, and, and right now I'm enjoying studying about the Lewis and Clark adventure again as they went westward. Um, Brock, I'll tell you all about it. If you'll meet me after church, I can just walk you through all the details. But um, just something that I, that I enjoy doing, but I know not everybody does. But here's something that I know. Regardless of the time in history that we are at, whether we're in your life today or whether we're in Civil War days or the first century A.D., that was a part of history that Pastor Brock does like to study. Did you catch that? No matter where we are, here's an issue that we have. We have an issue with relationships. We have a challenge in our relationships. And that's where we're going today. Today we're going to be in God's Word in the book of Philippians. Open up your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. We've been walking through this this epistle, and um, we're going to see that there is danger ahead for all of us. You see, no matter where we are, no no matter who we are, no matter who we're around, we're going to deal with conflict. We're going to deal with conflict. Warning ahead, there is conflict. And we're going to see what does God have to say about conflict. I'm talking about conflict in relationships. I'm talking about conflict in your family. I'm talking about conflict in your, in your workplace, in your community, in your homes, wherever it might be. I'm talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about mothers and, and daughters. I'm talking about fathers and sons. I'm talking about siblings. I'm talking about you and your employer, you and your coworker, whatever it might be. Our relationships include conflict. And it's very important for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who have made a decision to make Jesus Christ, to allow Him to be the Lord of our life, to be our forgiver and to be our leader. It's important for us to understand that that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ affects our relationships. And it should, it should have great effect on how we handle conflict. Okay? I ask you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, but before we do that, let's just review history. Okay? Let's just review history. And, I, and I've, I've brought some uh, visual aids to help us understand the way that history works. You see, we're all born... And we're actually created in this perfect environment. Men, don't, don't, don't worry. I, I think I've got you covered here. There you are. Okay. All right. So, God made man. And we were created perfect in God's plan. Adam, Eve, man, woman. And in that creation, we were made 
for relationship. Oh, they're supposed to be together holding hands, all that, okay? And by the way, you know, it doesn't, it's not just marriage relationship. We've got um, friendships here, and we've got, um, let's see, children, okay? And we've got, what else do I have in my little baggie of goodies? Oh, we got all kinds of little ones, okay? We got infants and, you know, just all these relationships. Here they are. We were made for relationship. God has designed you for relationship. Ultimately, they're, they're all here, but I'm just going to hold on to these two. Um, no, this one. Uh, ultimately, okay, we were made for relationship with God. And as our, part of our design being for relationship, we also have a propensity towards relationships with one another. Yes, you need people. Yes, you do. I know some have been scarred and some have been damaged and some have been hurt. And you think, you can tell yourself, you don't need relationships. I'm telling you, you are designed for relationship. You were designed to to have relationships with, this is really weird, one with another. Okay? But we've been cursed by sin. Because of sin, there's been a curse. And so now, happy faces, no. We're turned around. And now we have relationship difficulties. We have difficulties. Now, the wonderful thing about God is, He does this amazing work, this miracle in us. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you look to the cross of Jesus Christ and receive His forgiveness and receive the Spirit of God that comes in and dwells you, now you are dead and reborn. Okay? You're reborn. And now you have a new propensity for relationship. You can now relate to God. You can now have relationship with God. Prior to being in Christ, you couldn't have this relationship. And also, it's a good pointer, and you can also have relationships with one another now. So now you have a new propensity. You now have the ability to have a relationship with God. And you know how the ability to relate with one another. Oh, that's awesome. But we still live in this sin-cursed vehicle that God has given me, that God has blessed me with. It's cursed with sin. And so with that comes this, this rub, this frustration that we all feel, that you feel and I feel. We have a propensity towards relationship. Yes. Doubly born with that propensity. We were born with the propensity of relationship with God. We were reborn with a propensity to know God. But now we have sin. And so what we experience, we we can have this, but instead a lot of times, what do we have? This, right? This. How are we going to handle that? How are we going to handle relationship challenges? How are we going to work through these things so that we can get along? Well, we're going to address that in the book of Philippians. And I really think that today is going to be much more practical than you want it to be. Because by the time we're done, I think you're going to know what you should do. And I think you're going to know how it would look. The question is, are you going to do it? So it might be more practical today than what you really want. But let's go to Philippians chapter 4, and let's start reading. It's very short today at verse number 2, okay? 
By the way, before we go any further, I, I just want to mention that we've been walking through the book of Philippians, if you're just joining us, okay? And we've, we've worked through the first three chapters. And, and everything we're saying now is built upon that. You will get a great deal out of verse 2, two through 5 today. But I want to encourage you to regularly be with God's people and hearing God's word. Verse number 2, chapter 4. Paul writes, Paul is the author here. He's, remember what's happening. He's writing a letter to a group of believers in this town called Philippi. That's why we call it Philippians. He's writing this letter from a jail cell to believers in a church in a town called Philippi. So imagine we get this letter here, we all gather together and we read it. Okay? Look what he says. I entreat Judea and I entreat Sintichi to agree in the Lord. Now let me tell you, Judea and Sintichi, their ears just came on. Because they just heard their names read right there in front of the whole church by the Apostle Paul. He specifically identifies these two women. This is a female name that's weird to us, Judea and Sintichi. Those are names we use all the time, but those are just very common names of the day. It's two women that Paul is addressing. And notice what he's addressing. He entreats them both to agree in the Lord. So apparently there is a a friction going on. There's a conflict. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You see, there's been a relational problem in the church. And everybody knows about it. Everybody knows that these two women can't get along. Now, we don't know the details, we don't know that, but, but Paul just identifies them and he, and he directs the leaders, you need to deal with this. So there's an issue here between these two women. They can't get along. They're arguing about something. Now, what do a lot of us do when that happens? A lot of us turn and run, okay? You know, we, we do the old, out of here, and we won't be around each other anymore. That's not what Paul says. Because he knows the truth. And I want to put this truth up on the screen. This is a quote by a guy named John MacArthur. And I thought this was really important for us to to realize. He says, The more isolated a believer is from other Christians, the more spiritually unstable he or she is likely to be. Listen, conflict is a regular part of human existence. It is. Don't run from one another. That's not God's plan. Don't run from one another. Run towards one another. Now, why do we have all this conflict? The the Bible makes this very clear. Okay, and we'll talk about that today. but, But specifically, let's talk about these two women and what seems to be going on. Okay? First of all, I want you to see, Paul says, I entreat. Now, we're gonna, here's what we're going to do, just so you know. We're going to walk through this passage quickly, and then I'm going to make some applications of how we can play this out in our life this week. All right? Paul addresses the unresolved conflict. He addresses it. He says, I entreat Judea. See, the situation is a conflict. 
And Paul is going to address it. And not only does he address Judea, he addresses Sintichian. So both women now are being entreated. Entreat is a very strong word. It means to urge with emotion. So Paul isn't saying, hey, I think this is the right thing for you to do, and then get on by it. He feels it. Because relationship conflict matters. It is a big deal. It is a lie that you're going to just sort of let this thing go and, and you know, eventually it'll, it won't, I won't feel it anymore. That's a lie. It won't work. You will not be, you will not be the one who gets over conflict not resolved. You're not going to break the mold. It's not going to happen. If you allow this bitterness to be there over broken relationships, it will eat your soul. You're not the exception. And neither were these two women, and Paul dealt with it. Let's just say a couple things about these women, okay, from the things that we see here. Notice in verse number 3, Paul says that they labored side by side with him in the gospel. And the rest of the fellow workers... And their names are in the book of life. Now, what does that mean? That means that both these women are believers. They are redeemed. They have the Spirit of God in them. They put their trust in Jesus. And the Bible does speak of a book of life. When someone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, Revelation says that their name is written in the book of life. And it it cannot be erased. It cannot be taken out. And it it is just demonstrating to all of creation that you put your trust in Christ. And that was true of these two women. They are two believers. And they're faithful servants. They labored with Paul. Labored, as you know, is a hard-working word. So this is not, you know, these are not two women out on the fringe. They're not carnal believers. They're not, you know, they're not even being Christ. You know, they're these losers spiritually. That's not what it is at all. These are servants of gods. These are women of God. These are believers. These are redeemed women. But they are not agreeing. By the way, let me say this. It must not be doctrinal. So it's not like one saying, I believe in eternal security. And the other one says, I don't believe in eternal. It's not a doctrinal issue. So how do you know? Because when there's a doctrinal issue in the church, Paul addresses it. Paul addresses it. So it's not doctrinal. It's not a doctrinal issue that they're they're not wrestling over how to interpret a, a certain passage or how to apply a certain doctrine. That's not what this is. Okay? These are the things that we argue about. She said this. He did that. He has this. She treated me this way. She walked right by me and didn't even speak. These are the things that, were, these are the things that divide us. Okay? This is what it is. Now, Paul says he wants them to agree. Look in verse number 2. I want you to agree in the Lord. This is the hope of, of any resolution. Now, notice he doesn't say, I want you to agree. He doesn't say, I want you to, I want you to agree. I've told this, this story in this church before, but there is a church in our community that they have a beautiful building. They are probably meeting this morning, all six of them. And at one time, it was a bustling church in our community. And it split. The church split about 15, 20 years ago. You know what the issue was? Some of you know, macaroni and cheese. They had a potluck dinner, and one woman thought she had the best macaroni. This is the true story. 
One woman thought she made the best macaroni and, macaroni and cheese. Another woman thought she made the best macaroni and cheese. And they brought him to this potluck dinner. And the two ladies, older ladies, I understand, got in an argument over who made the best macaroni and cheese. And it split the church. I'm, it's silly things. He doesn't say agree. He says, agree in the Lord. So really what this means is, agree with the Lord. And what would that look like? What does it look like when we have, and literally, by the way, this is very important, literally it is, and your translation may reflect this, it is, have the same mind as the Lord, is what it literally says. Have the same mind as the Lord. And what's the mind of the Lord? The mind of the Lord is serving. The mind of the Lord is submitting. The mind of the Lord is loving one another. It's bearing with one another. These two women have an issue. I don't know or care what it is. Maybe they were arguing over, you know, a camel or a macaroni and cheese or a chair or a color of the carpet or whatever it might be. I don't know. We don't really care. Because God is not dependent upon the circumstance. They are to have the same mind as the Lord, to agree in the Lord. So I want you to notice what else happens. This really gets very interesting. In verse number 3, now now stay with me because this is just so cool. Verse number 3, Paul says, Yes, I ask you also. Now if I was just having a conversation with you and all of a sudden I just said yes. You know, I really want you guys to get along. Yes, I do want you to get along. What does that yes mean? I want you to get along, kids. I'm talking to my two children now. You know, you need to get along. Don't pull her hair and don't bite his arm. And you know, you really need to get along. Yes, you need to get along. What am I saying? I'm encouraging something that has already been taught. Okay? And notice notice here where Paul goes. He says, yes, I ask you also, true companion. So you see what Paul just did? Let's, let's act out my kids again, all right? So, little whatever your two names are, you need to get along. Don't pull her hair. Don't bite his arm. But Paul didn't look at them when he said yes. Look at the passage. Yes. Singular you. Also. You know what Paul did? Little whatever your two names are, get along. And then he turns from them and walks now in my home, kind of make some illustrations here, and says, yes, Nancy, you need to help them get along. You see, what Paul just did is he just brought in somebody else to this argument. This true companion. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these Women who have labored side by side. These two women that can't get along, Paul's saying, bring in some spiritual leaders to help you. Because you're not thinking in your right mind. Ladies, you are not thinking in your right mind. You are totally out of control. You flipped out of your minds. It has nothing to do with their gender. It's just the situation. Men do it all the time, too. We get so turned over by whatever we're dealing with that we've lost our minds now, and we need somebody else, objective, to come in and speak truth to us. And I hope that this place is that. 
I hope that out in the world we get all turned around upside down. Where all of a sudden, you know, things matter more than God. And, and people's approval of me matters more than God's. And, and maybe, you know, God isn't good. And then we come in here and there's objective truth. He says, no. No. Paul here is now admonishing a singular leader to come in and help these women get along. He's admonishing a singular leader to step in to this situation. Now, Proverbs has this to say. Better to grab the ears of a dog than to enter into another person's fight. You ever grab a mad dog by the ears? What's he going to do? He's going to bite you, right? I know, this is scary. Scary. And I've been there. Let me tell you a true story. True story. When I first went into ministry, I was pastoring a church, and um, the, 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 somewhere in the process of, of candidating and all that, they, they shared about um, what I was studying in the seminary and all that. And, in the, and somewhere in the list of the classes or something, I don't know how this even happened, a singular counseling class was listed as my seminary schedule. That somewhere in my seminary training, I had a singular class on counseling. Listen, I am not a very good counselor, okay? But somehow that got put out to the church. This old man came to me, called me. Pastor Lowe, I'd, I'd like to meet with you. I'm like, okay. Kind of weird, I'm thinking in my mind. I mean, this guy, I'm the youth pastor, and this guy's old, and all right, we'll meet. So he comes in and tells me that he and his daughter have had a broken relationship for 35 years. They do not speak, they have not spoken for 35 years. And he was coming near the end of his life, and he wanted to have this thing reconciled. And he knows that, this is kind of funny, he knows I, I, I got a master's in counseling. And I'm like, okay. He knows that I can help him. Could you just write a letter to my daughter? Here's her address. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. So I wrote, I wrote her a letter. I, mean, I wish I had this letter because I know it was probably a horrible letter. I didn't know what I was writing. You know, dear you, you know, I've met with your father and he's really wishing that you guys could have a relationship. I don't know what I even said. I don't know. Let me tell you what happened. Probably about a month later, the gentleman calls me. He says, there's been a miracle. There's been a miracle. My daughter got your letter. And she called me, and we made everything right. And to this day, he's still living. He's ancient now. <laughs> but she, he lives with her now. And she provides him full-time care. And for 35 years, they did not speak. God did a miracle. Now, what was it? Was it some fine letter that, I mean, if it was the letter, then we should reproduce that thing and just send it out to everybody. But listen, I wrote the letter. It wasn't all that. Here's what happened. There was a man of God who, by faith, opened up his life to somebody who had hurt him. He took a chance. 
He took a chance and by faith reached out to somebody. And God saw his faith and was pleased. And God did a miracle in that woman's heart. Had nothing to do with any letter. It had everything to do with God. There's a time, some of you, you need to, you need to come to a spiritual leader. You need to come to a pastor. You need to come to a, to a focus group leader or a small group leader and say, listen, I need help. I need help. Can you at least pray for me? You need to go to another believer in Christ. And they may not have some official role, but they're a believer. You know. You need to go say, please pray for me. We've got this relationship and it's broken. It's destroyed. Can you just pray for me? That's what Paul is calling here for. You come along and help. And that word help, by the way, is interesting. See it there in your Bible? Okay, we're in Philippians chapter 4. Okay. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women. If you would find all the places where that word is used in the Bible, you know what it's most often translated as? This is kind of weird. Okay, it's not a gentle word. It's not a gentle word at all. It's translated captured, seized, and arrested. This word that, Paul, that we, our Bible says help, it was the word that was used when Jesus was captured by crowds. It was the word that was used when Jesus was seized by the soldiers. It was the word when Peter and Paul were both arrested by the Jewish authorities. This is not an apathetic, passive word. This is an active word. Reconciliation doesn't just happen. It doesn't. You don't just let it ride and then it gets better. It's not a pulled muscle, folks. It's a broken relationship. And Paul here tells these women, and now he's telling those who know this, these women and love them, you help. Because relationship matters that much. Now what is he... What's this leader going to tell them? Let's see what the leader is going to tell them. Verse number three. Yes, I ask you also, true commands, help these women. And look what is reminded of. Who labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul's reminding these two women of essential truths that allow these stupid little arguments to be put in their place. Look, at the, look what he's reminding them about. He's reminding their shared ministry. Remember, you served together. Remember the past, what you did together? Remember how you worked together. Remember you were in the same home. Remember when you got married, how you felt about her. Remember when she was born and you looked down at her and she was so precious. Remember when you were a little boy and you looked at your daddy and you just loved him so much you wanted to be like him. Do you remember that? Remember what's back there. Because there's good things there. Now, I know some of us have been in relationships that have been hurtful, abusive. I get that. And that's not the only thing you reminded them of. There's, three more, there's two others. First is a shared ministry and really a shared history. That's the other one. All these things that they, they ministered together and they also <clears throat> had a history together. But then in verse number five, notice what it says. 
Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. You know what that means? That means it's coming back, and you don't know. It could be now. The Lord is at hand. He's coming. So ladies, Yudia, Sintichi, is it? Jesus could come back right now. Does the macaroni and cheese matter that much? Does it matter that she walked right by you and didn't speak? Does it matter that 10 years ago he borrowed 50 bucks from you and it took all this time to get it? I mean, you know, whatever these stories are, does it matter? Because the Lord is at hand. What, we're, what, what, what Paul is trying to get these ladies to do is to bring perspective to this little argument they're having. Remember the past, remember the future. Know what happened then, know what's going to happen in the future. It makes all these huge issues pretty small. Pretty small. All right, you got somebody in mind? See, we're going to go with this mixer. Who is the one person in this world that if they walked in this room, you'd want to run out the other door? We were going to go with that, and Brock shot it down. He said, no, I want to talk about history. Let's not... Who's... What's the relationship that comes to your mind? You got one? That there needs to be... There needs to be peace. There needs to be reconciliation. Okay, now let's get, let's get a little more... Very practical, I guess, in, in your life, okay? First of all, let's talk about the source, okay? The source. What, what is the source of all this? I got news for you. It's not because they're such a jerk. That's not what it is. The source is we're a bunch of worldlings. We are worldlings. The source of this conflict is us. It's us. It's right here in us. It's our hearts. It's our pride. It's that I have to be right. It's I have to be first. It's I'm priority and you did me wrong and you deserve to pay. The source of all these issues is our heart. Hear the Word of God. Listen to what the Word of God says about this. Jesus, for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual morality and theft and false witness and slander. It is out of the heart that these come. And Paul writes in 1 Timothy, I want to read the Word of God to you because it is inspired of the Lord. Listen as Paul describes a man filled with pride. Filled with pride. He loves his image in the mirror. Okay, And listen how Paul describes him. He is puffed up and conceited and he understands nothing. Now listen, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and quarrels. They produce envy and dissension and slander and evil and constant friction among other people. You've got to look at your life, guys. You've got to look at your life. I think it's Pastor Billy that says all the time. I don't know if I can get it right. Man, I should have asked you before I come up here. People tell me all the time that there's a weirdo in every group. And? Every time I walk in the room, I can't find 
Think about it. Think about it. Uh-huh. If you look at your life, Somebody just got it. Yeah, all right. (laughs) If you look at your life, and there's a lot of relational problems, you know, you you just know what it is. Like, everywhere you go, people are just mean. Everywhere I go, people are just rude. Everywhere I go, they're just so ignorant. Everybody is always just so mean. Everybody does. Wait a minute now. Wait a minute. Could the problem, could it be you? Could it be? The source is worldlings. It's worldlings. I put a passage there, I believe, on your worship notes from James. Maybe, I don't remember. I'll read it to you. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? That your passions are at war within you. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. I sat down the other day and thought about all the different little spats that I've been in the middle of. Because it's a bunch of them. Okay, It kind of goes with the territory of what I do for a living. All right? And there's a lot of little relationship things. I've had to sit there and listen. Okay, uh-huh, all right. Now, what happened from your perspective? I mean, I've had to do that a lot, okay? And honestly, I boil it down to about three things. About three things that, that these things just all land on, okay? The first one is just plain old crankiness. Some people are just cranky, okay? And, and you can't get along with anybody, all right? And you need to just let that go. You need to recognize, you know what? If you're not, if you can't get along with anybody, the problem is you. And you might just be cranky. And you just walk around just looking for somebody to fight with, and you need to, you need to get over yourself. Selfishness. Another big one that I've seen over and over and over is envy and greed. Envy and greed. The truth is, many relationship problems in this room. Now, the crankiness happens in homes. He just comes home and he's cranky. She gets up in the morning, she's cranky. The kid wakes up and he's cranky. But in, the, in these relationships, in the church, a lot of times it's envy and greed. It's envy and greed. She has something that you want and you don't have it, so you find a reason not to like her. Envy and greed. Yeah, get over yourself. It's selfishness. And the third one that I've seen a lot, it's related to crankiness, but it's just criticalness. It's critical. Critical. You can see what's wrong with everybody. Criticalness. We need to bring grace. We need to get over ourselves and bring grace into our relationships. You know all that stuff that drives you crazy about so-and-so? Somebody's thinking the same thing about you right now. Apply grace to people. So the source is just worldlings. The solution, the solution to this thing is living spirit-filled. That's how Paul described it in Ephesians chapter 5. 
Okay? I think I put that on your worship notes. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the... What this means, to be filled by the Holy Spirit, is that the Spirit of God controls me. He controls me. He's in me, and I've submitted my life to Him. And so when you, you and I come together and I do something, let's let you be the one spirit-filled, okay? And I'll be the cranky one, okay? We come together, okay? We come together and I'm a crank. The spirit-filled you is able to understand that and gives me more grace. Gives me more grace. And when I'm envious and, and now I'm biting towards you or I'm critical towards you or, or whatever, you give grace. Now, I, listen, I'm all for calling sin, sin. But many of these things, they aren't dealing with that. Listen, if, if, if you're dealing with this, God will deal with you. I want to tell you a very embarrassing story about myself. Well, that's always a great introduction, right? I've got two toes. That's not embarrassing. Two big toes, okay? My left toe does this. My right toe does this. It does not move. This right toe is frozen, standing still. You wonder why? Embarrassing story, but I figure, hey, need to know we're all real. See, I, I have some kids. I don't know if you mentioned that. I've ever mentioned that or not. But, and one of them, it doesn't matter which one. Let's just say they really struggled to keep the room tidy. Okay. And we were always dealing with this. I mean, we're dealing with it, dealing with it, dealing with it. Just cannot get this thing. Just can't make any progress. And one day, I'm in this individual's room. I'm going to try not to use any pronouns, okay? But I'm in this individual's room, and I'm explaining to them how they need to clean their room and straighten and all that kind of stuff. And, and this individual liked to play games, like on a game system, okay? So you probably just narrowed it down in gender, and you're right, okay? So now I'm going to say he. Okay, so he... <laughs> Liked to play video games. And, and he had this chair. It was this cool chair. And it opened up like this, like a clamshell. And you could sit in it and you could plug in speaker, your system to it. And it had speakers right here at your head. And he would like to sit in that chair and, and play his games. And I'm there, you know, a little heated now, dealing with, you know, this bedroom that's a mess. And, and I want to really make a point. You know, Dad, I just really want to just drive home this point. I want to just really let him know how important this is that he cleans his room. And so I come to the door and I go to shut the door and the door won't shut because this big stupid chair is in the way. The room is such a wreck that the chair is now sort of float over in the way of the door and I can't even shut the door. Well, there went my whole dramatic moment, you know? I've been building towards this climax. I was going to slam the door shut, right? Clean your room. And I bounced the chair off, that's the door off of the chair. What am I going to do? They want my script, right? I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I look at that chair, and I'm like, see, son, this chair, I can't even shut the door. At least, now here comes the moment. And I was angry. I'm not going to lie to you. At least, Clean up your stuff enough to be able to shut the door. And now, see, I used to really like drama, okay? I swing back, and I kick this chair, figuring it'll close that clam, okay? He'll be like, wow, Dad, I'm going to clean my room now. (laughs) Now, I didn't know this about the design of this chair. Across the very back of that chair was a heavy piece of angle iron. 
hidden underneath the carpet behind the chair. And wouldn't you know it, God decided to teach me a lesson. And when I kicked that chair, my big toe hit that angle iron and it was broke now. I mean, honestly, I looked down at my toe and I kid you not, it looked like this. It was bent. I can't even do it. It was bent 90 degrees. I looked up and my son, who would try to remain nameless, was kind of like, he looked at me like that too. And I bent down and went and straightened my toe. The doctor, who doesn't happen to be here, he could testify to this. He's like, Lowell, we saw the x-ray. You got a clean break. I don't know what you did. I'll tell you what I did. I kicked the chair. Now, what was going on there? I was not spirit-filled. That's for sure. The problem was right here. See, somebody was doing something I didn't like. And so my selfishness took over. And to this day... That's been a number of years. I can't tell you how many because you figure it out. But it's been a number of years. And my toe is permanently damaged. I walk a little different now. Because one day, one of many days, I wasn't spirit-filled. So let's talk about the process here. So what do you do? What do you do? I mean, this, this is probably most important. What do you do? I'm modeling this, by the way, after a book that I read in a focus group. I'm modeling this, this, this walk through what you need to do to make things right. How to confess. How to seek reconciliation. Number one, step number one, is you've got to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. We, when, if you have a broken relationship, you need the Spirit of God to indwell you. And to fill you. You're indwelled if you're in Him. But to fill you. And to control you. Prepare yourself. Jesus said, if you're aware of a speck in your brother's eye, then you go and you remove the log in your own. And then go and help him remove it. So you prepare yourself. You've got somebody a broken relationship with, you need to start preparing yourself. You need to really be seeking the Lord on God. I want this to be right. Secondly, you need to examine. You need to examine yourself before the Lord. Examine yourself. I do not mean examine them. Examine yourself. What did I do wrong here? What was I thinking? What was I hoping to gain? How was my flesh running me at that time? Examine you. Quit worrying about them. You examine you. As much as is possible for you, live at peace with all men. Romans chapter 12. You examine you. I want you to notice the first two steps, I have not left my house yet. I am still in my bedroom on my knees praying about this. Preparing me, Spirit of God, I want you to, in, to, to fill me and control me. Examine myself. I haven't left yet. I'm still examining me. Third step, agree with God. Agree with God. That's what the word confession means. Agree with God. Not agree with the person. Not agree with Oprah or Dr. Phil. Agree with God. It is wrong for me to be disunified with my, with my brothers and my sisters. It is wrong for me to exasperate my children. 
It is wrong for me to not obey my parents. It is wrong for me not to submit to my husband. It is wrong for me not to love my wife. It is wrong for me to do this. And God, I agree with you that it is wrong. Don't expect God to tell you what is wrong about somebody else. That is, quite frankly, none of your business. Let the Lord deal with them. You deal with you. With you. I still haven't left, by the way. I'm still in my bedroom. I have not left. There's a lot going on here, and it's just me and God. Because He's alive. And He's real. And He has relationship with you. And you can talk to Him. And He speaks to us through His Word and by His Spirit. Now, I commit before the Lord. I make a commitment before God. God, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. As much as possible for me, I'm going to live at peace with them. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to submit I'm going to serve. I'm going to bear with them. I'm going to love them. That's what I'm going to do. I haven't left yet. I haven't left yet. I'm doing a lot of business about this relationship, and I'm still at my house. And now I've got to express it. You must speak it. And here's what you need to speak. I'll tell you very specifically what you need to speak. You need to speak... To them, you need to speak. Tell them what the... Now you're going to that person, by the way. You're going to that person. I don't encourage you to write them an email. Mm -mm. I don't encourage you to do that. You go to the person. That's how Jesus said to do it in Matthew chapter 18. Go to the person. And you're going to express to them, here's the sin that I committed. Here's what I did. I sought the Lord. Remember, because I prepared. I examined I agreed, I committed. Here's the sin. You name it to that person. Humble yourself and God will lift you up. You name it. And then you express your sorrow. You express your sorrow. Listen, I lost my temper and I feel so bad about that. I was a jerk. I was wrong. I regret it. I really regret that. You see, I'm expressing sorrow. If you don't, if you don't express sorrow, now tell you what that person's going to do. If you don't express sorrow, they're going to try to convince you how wrong you were because they need that sorrow. They need it. Sin, sorrow. This is how I feel about it. And now this is my commitment. So I'm, I'm going I'm to do my best. I'm going to do my best to not lose my temper again. And I'm not done. This is the hardest part, I think, because it requires the most humility. Now I've got to hand them the baton, and I've got to say, so will you forgive me? Why is that so hard? Why is it so stinking hard to give them that? See, we want to say, hey, I'm sorry. But when I say, will you forgive me? See, now that's complete humility. Quite honestly, they can say no. 
I do not. And if they do, then I would suggest you pray for them. But as much as is possible for you, you live at peace with them. Okay? So somebody in your life, there's somebody here that you have one of these relationships. Prepare. Examine. Examine. Agree with God. Commit to God. And then go express it. Because relationships matter. They matter. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, I pray for the one or two or a bunch here that there's broken relationships. Lord, I know it happens. God, would you, uh, would you give us a sensitive spirit towards one another? Lord, there might be people in this room that need to do this with one another. God, don't let our body be marked by this kind of turmoil and conflict and pettiness that we'd be quick to make reconciliation with one another. And Lord, I thank you that your spirit overwhelms our self. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.